the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. And the parody project doing it again. I'll tell you something. Don Karen has got to be the busiest man alive because he's been putting out these songs like one after another. And it, he actually did one. That's like the, uh, let, let me see if I can't find, Oh, I don't have it open. I'll look for it. But it's like, um, 
well, I, I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to get it wrong. It's it's a takeoff, you know, parody of the 12 days of Christmas, but it goes on and 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 on. You get the idea. For over 10 minutes. So, yeah, I'm not going to be um, playing that one, I don't think, because, you know, frankly, it's just a little too long. Uh, but this one, following the law, la, 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 la. Yeah, that worked. Um, yeah, the other one was, uh, let me see now, let's see if I can find it. Of course, when I don't have something open, you know, then I got to walk and chew gum at the same time, which is not always easy. Um, okay, it's the 24 months of Trump's mess. 24 months of Trump's mess, but it goes, um, Oh, damn it. No, it's correct. But it goes over 10 minutes. So you're going to just have to find that one on your own <laughs> and and watch it yourself. Um, you can, you know, find the parody project on YouTube under parody project. And um, yeah, and it's the one main guy. It's Don Karen, and he's got a lot of collaborators and he does all this awesome stuff. But let's see. Yeah, 10 minutes and 46 seconds. So we're not going to do that on this show because it's only an hour long. So Anyway, there's that. Um, welcome to a Monday. Uh, Christmas is a week from today. Just kind of snuck up on us this year, didn't it? I know, not really. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the end of the year. 2023, not as bad as 2020 or 2021, but, you know, still not great. So um, 2024, uh, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, and, and I'm hoping to shake things up a little bit in the new year. And that's about all I can tell you right now. Hopefully we'll have some, some stuff to tell, but I got to tell you, sometimes things just work out the, the, the way they're supposed to. So I had invited Lisa Graves to come on one more time for this year, uh, to join us today last week. Um, because we can never get enough Lisa Graves, right? And for those of you who don't know Lisa Graves, I actually put her, um, well, the, the abridged version of her bona fides on the description of the show, but just because I don't say it enough, I don't, I don't give her credentials enough because they're so lengthy. But here, let me read to you from her uh, blurb at truenorthresearch.com. Org, which is her or the the organization she founded and runs these days. Um, here's here's Lisa's legal background. She served as deputy assistant attorney general in the office of policy development slash legal policy at the U.S. Department of Justice under attorneys general Janet Reno and John Ashcroft. So two. Uh, administrations there. Uh, she served as chief counsel for nominations for Senator Patrick Leahy on the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, she was deputy chief of the Article Three Judges Division of the Administrative Office of the U.S. Courts with oversight of the Financial Disclosure Office. All this comes into play because one of the things we're going to be talking about today, of course, is Clarence Thomas. And it's kind of an oxymoron, but Supreme Court ethics, right? And, and she also uh, worked as an adjunct law professor at George Washington University Law School. And she worked as the senior legislative strategist for the ACLU on national security and li civil liberties and others. 
So Lisa knows the law. And that's why today's show is Lisa Graves on the la, 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 because I you know, tie it all together in a neat little bow. Anyway, um, when I realized like over the weekend that, that Lisa was going to be here today, I thought, well, how fortuitous, what great timing, because we had the huge verdicts awarded to Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, her daughter, just on Friday from Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, of course, keeps shooting his mouth off. What? Oh my God, I'm sorry. I just looked up in the chat room and Rainbow Trout said, Jim Ladd died? I, I, I Sorry, I, I, I need to look this up because um, this is, you know, this is live radio, everybody. But Jim Ladd uh, was a disc jockey in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not seeing that. Where are you seeing that? Um, I'm not seeing anything, anything about. So Rainbow Trout in the chat room, you can't just say something like that. Yes. Where do you see that? Because I just pulled, um, and I'm not saying there's nothing on his, uh, 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 Wikipedia page or anything. Um, anyway, Jim Ladd was a South Florida. Yep. December 18th. Wow. Jim Ladd, December 18th, 2023. Um, huh? Wow. Um, all right. So, uh, according to Meg Griffin, oh, and it's now up on Wikipedia. It has today as the date of his death. I never knew Jim Ladd. We worked at KLOS at different times, but he was, you know, allegedly the guy about whom Tom Petty wrote The Last DJ. Um, Jim Ladd was doing a show on uh, Sirius XM's Deep Tracks. He actually lived right up the street from me for a short while, but we knew of each other, but we didn't really know each other. But he was an L.A. radio legend, and that's very sad news. I'm sorry to hear Um God, this is what happens when we get older. We die, right? He was born, I didn't realize how old he was. He was born in 1948 and, and died today. It doesn't say how or, or from what, but um, we crossed paths in a lot of places. Like I said, I, well, I bought my first house in, um, in, in Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles. And I, I didn't know that Jim Ladd lived maybe five or six houses up the road from me. He was at the top of the hill. I was about five or six houses down. To get to his house, you had to take a, a funicular like, car up the hill. Um, heart attack. Oh, my God. Well, I guess if you got to go. I mean, that's the way I'd like to go. I want it to be fast. I don't want to have to suffer through a long illness. Um, that's what happens when we get to be this age, Right. He was born in 48. Um, yeah. Wow. Jim Ladd, the, the end of uh, an era. Um, so sorry that again, live radio and I glance over at the chat room and I see for those who didn't know Jim Ladd, um, again, he was the voice of kind of a generation on KLOS then he worked at KLSX. Again, we, we crossed paths a lot, never worked at the same place at the same time. But um, sad news. This is what happens when we get older. I got, I don't know how I segued from that back into um, politics. I know he was on, um, 
He was on uh, Sirius XM doing deep tracks. He was, you know, he was let go from KLOS because he wanted to play his own music. He wanted to, he was 75. He wanted to play whatever he, you know, wanted to play. No, he wasn't 75. If he was born in 1948, um, whatever, my math sucks. I'm not, I'm not going to sit. But anyway, that's, that's, um, this is what happens as we get older, people that we grew up with. Could I boost my volume? Am, am, Am I low? I'm, I'm low. YouTube is blasting you with ads for Christmas movies. Sorry about that. Um, I can turn up my volume just a tiny little bit, I suppose. Anyway, so sorry, that just just hit me out of left field. Um, yeah, well, ah, that's sad. Um, yeah. I, I, all right. It's going to keep happening. Um, this, it's, it's part of it's part of life. Uh, and, uh, shit. I, again, I hope that when I die, it happens, it happens, um, um, suddenly like that. All right. So you guys are telling me I'm, I'm broadcasting at a very low level and I don't really know why. Um, I'll see if I can figure it out as we go along, but, um, Hold on. Let me see one other thing. So anyway, that, uh, I'll get back to Jim Ladd maybe later or when I, I can, I can um, think about it. God, it just, that threw me for a loop. You know, when we start hearing about our contemporaries um, dying, it, it's, it, it, it will screw with you. Yeah. So you're getting audio dropouts. I don't know. I don't know why you're telling me low volume. Okay. And Sydney says volume is fine for good. So if your volume's low, just boost it because I didn't change anything here and everything's fine. All right. So anyway, okay. Um, yeah, it's sad news. I, you know, again, I, I hate to, you know, I'm not even going to go there. Um, rest in peace, Jim Ladd. Oh God. Audio is okay. Cool. Okay. So, um, Back to what I was talking about before that totally just blew my mind. Um, so I'm thinking it's it's fortuitous that we have Lisa Graves today because there's so much for her to comment on. First of all, the jury awarding $148 million to uh, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. And I even pulled some audio from Friday of you know, what they had to say. And of course, what, um, what, uh, Rudy had to say. And, you know, if I could play music, if I could, now you're saying no sound, something's going on with you guys. Audio is out now. Nothing has changed on my end and my audio is still working. So for all of you guys, there's no audio. Something funky is happening. Um, I don't know why you have no sound at all. Audio is back on. I didn't touch anything. It's got to be YouTube. Today it's, it's YouTube. It's, it's the gremlins. You know, they didn't follow me from Florida and today they appear to be here. Damn them. All right. It went out and now it's back. Weird. That's Jim Ladd saying, hello, everybody. I guess it's the only thing I can figure. And it makes as much sense as anything else as anything else. So Ruby Freeman goes before the cameras 
Let me see if I can't um, bring some of these clips up because I could listen to these two women any day of the week. So here's, here's Ruby getting up before the cameras after the jury awarded, um, you know, uh, a lot of money. Good evening, everyone. I am Lady Ruby. She is. Today's a good day. A jury stood witness to what Rudy Giuliana did to me and my daughter mm. and held him accountable. And for that, I'm thankful. Today is not the end of the road. We still have work to do. Yep. Rudy Giuliani was not the only one who spread lies about us. Uh And others must be held accountable too. But that is tomorrow's work. (laughs) For now, I want people to understand this. Money will never solve all of my problems. I can never move back into the house that I called home. I will always have to be careful about where I go and who I choose to share my name with. Wow. I miss my home. I miss my neighbors. And I miss my name. I've heard some of you. Don't be sad for me. Don't waste your time being angry at those who did this to me and my daughter. We are more than conquerors. Pray for us as we continue to fight the good fight of faith. I tell my attorneys often, my friends say that God knew who to give this assignment to Hmm. because if it had been them, they wouldn't have been able to go through this. I kind of love that woman. Um, so that's that's Ruby Freeman. And joining us now is Lisa Graves. Uh, hey, Lisa, p- perfect timing here because um, so I was thinking about how, you know, fortuitous it was the verdict came down or the, the award, the damages were awarded on uh, Friday. And I thought we could talk about that. But today, before we even had a chance to say anything, Ruby and Shay filed a sa- another defamation suit against Rudy Giuliani because he won't stop defaming them? Yeah, it is. It is pretty astonishing. I mean, it's right out of the Donald Trump playbook uh, or the Bridget Ziegler playbook, (laughs) or you just name sort of the right wing MAGA world playbook, which is uh, no matter how wrong they are, uh, they never apologize. They just double down. Uh, they just keep digging it deeper. When I was when I was first in Washington, I had this a wonderful mentor, and she said to me at one point, "You know, do you know the rule of holes? The first rule of holes?" And I said, "I don't know what the first rule of holes is." And she says, "It's stop digging. <laughs> yes, stop, stop digging. digging. The first rule of holes." And uh, you know, the team Trump, uh, team extremist, doesn't seem to have any sense of that common sense rule. They just dig deeper. So, you know, personally, since he's recalcitrant um, and uh, continues to defame uh, them, I'm, I'm glad they filed suit again, um, just like E. Jean Carroll filed suit again. And I hope the people who are defamed by these liars and uh, deceivers file suit after suit after suit. And um, some of those suits, like the one that uh, the verdict just came in, um, part of that verdict, because it's intentional you know, punitive damages, it is not dischargeable in, in bankruptcy. So it doesn't wow. matter how how many times Rudy Giuliani wants to declare bankruptcy, he can't get rid of that 
that debt. It's both an actual debt that's not dischargeable and a moral debt that's not dischargeable. And yet he, you know, he, he should know better. He was a pretty celebrated attorney. He was the, the U.S. attorney for New York when I first knew of him, when I was just a kid working in talk radio in New York City. And, you know, we watched him rise through the rank. He was a law and order guy. He cleaned up Times Square. And now he's like a shill for the biggest con man to ever uh, take advantage of the, the more gullible people in this country. And he's still doing it. And the thing is, Lisa, in one of these suits, he actually admitted that he made shit up. Although he, he couched it and he said that was only for one lawsuit, but that didn't apply to the defamations. How can you do that? If you say you did something, you did it, right? Well, you know, between between Rudy Giuliani and some of the other lawyers that Trump has attracted, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly made the legal profession look worse than it ever looked before to have these types of claims being made because there are duties that lawyers um, have. There are obligations, ethical obligations they have, even though it's often the subject of jokes, there are limits and they have like walked up to the line of where those limits are and then like sprinted over them, stomped on them, you know, held a parade, held a press conference at, um, you know, Four Seasons Lawn and Gardening or whatever, you know, like they just um, don't have any limits. And, you know, it, it sort of reminds me a little bit. Um, uh, there was this moment where um, Kellyanne Conway, you know, got some infamy for the alternative facts notion that, you know, lies, they're not lies, they're just alternative facts. And, you know, she, she, you know, she won um, a claim for being, you know, one of the highest ranking women, if not the highest ranking woman ever to serve in a, in a, a campaign for a major presidential campaign. Like, so she, you know, um, had a reputation in the polling world before that, and she worked on that campaign. But then when I realized that the title she requested from the White House was counselor, like this is, she was acting like a lawyer, right. like saying whatever, right. whatever, like a, a bad lawyer in my view, personally, like a, a lawyer willing to say anything, no matter its accuracy to redefine lies as alternative facts was, but, but like, I was like, Oh, now that I think of her, she's just a lawyer saying whatever her client wants, whatever he thinks he, you know, whatever he directs her to say, or whatever um, he demands when you see these people um, acting in such extraordinarily sort of shocking ways who are, who are Trump's lawyers. um, I mean, I don't think lawyers should act in that way personally, you know, I, I, and there certainly are bar complaints, for example, with Rudy, not, not with Conway, but like Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman um, that are, that are pursuing it. I'm not suggesting that she should be sent to a bar complaint, but, but just this notion that there are limits and they don't seem to, they meaning Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman don't seem to um, recognize them. And I guess the other thing I want to say, Nicole, before I hand the baton back to you is I really thought about this question of like how much we knew about Rudy Giuliani versus how much of it was a whole lot of showmanship. I mean, there's no doubt he was a prosecutor and that he prosecuted the mob, um, you know, earlier in his career. Um, you know, his track record um, as the mayor of New York is really um, framed in part by the tragedy that America experienced with the, you know, terrorist violence attacking, attacking America and you know, running those planes in the world, the world trade towers, I would hope that any politician or mayor at that time would have been able to stand up, you know, and do the right thing for the it American people. I'm not sure right. that he deserves like extra no. credit no. for that because, because when you look at his record overall, including his 
role with Bernie Carrick and the New York Police Department and a lot of the scandals that uh, emerged under his tenure, um, you you can see real problems in terms of uh, racial profiling, yep. uh, violence uh, being allowed and tolerated, if not you know embraced in some ways. And then you have his own personal disregard for the people in his life, the affairs, um, the, 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 the way he's treated women, including this other lawsuit where there's, you know, seemingly substantial evidence of his, um, really awful behavior toward the women who work with him, or at least one in particular, um, leaving aside the whole Borat thing, which is also repulsive. Um, you know, like, I just don't, I don't like Rudy Giuliani. Like, I, I don't know, like why we ever believed that he was a good guy, except that he was in the sort of right place at the right time to capitalize politically on one of the biggest, uh, biggest tragedies America has ever right. seen. And as I, and I think it w- might've been Hillary Clinton, who's there somebody, a noun of urban nine 11, that was Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Cause he, you know, yeah. he, he was, he happened to be mayor when that happened. That's all he did. Yeah. And, and his response was not great. Um, but he, he knew how to capitalize it, on it anyway. Yeah. So he, he, this is a man who, Look, he will be forever uh, enmeshed in my memory with uh, Four Seasons landscaping and the dye running down his face. That's Rudy Giuliani. And, you know, having Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman get the best of him. Now, now, when you are um, subject to a $148 million uh, lawsuit that's the fine levied against for for defamation for um, punitive damages for because he chose to do this and he knew better as you said that can't even be discharged by bankruptcy what recourse do these women have to collect this money can is there anything that can compel him to sell off his property and pay them what he owes them well, there's certainly um, they're certainly going to have to fight to get that money out of him. There's no doubt that he's going to try to appeal um, and resist um, as long as possible. But I do take comfort from the fact that certain types of damages, not, you know, some debt can be discharged in bankruptcy. Um, some debt cannot. One of those forms of debt is student loans, which uh-huh. this U.S. Supreme Court blocked uh, Biden's effort to try to, you know, give some loan forgiveness. But the other type of debt that is not dischargeable is one part of that verdict. Um, I, I really, I, I was horrified, like, you know, people, many people were um, on the outside to see what he was saying about these election workers, people who just trying to help our democracy function, have a functioning democracy, help with the mechanics of honestly help with the mechanics of counting ballots to be so smeared by him. And then to have this, it's not just the, the, the verbal smearing, the, the slander, the libel, um, yeah, uh, but also like the way that the, they were targeted by yeah. this right wing um, machine to try to pressure them to lie, try to pressure them to pretend that the lie was true. And then the threats against their their lives and the the, the risk, the personal attacks and the and the fear that they that this um, machine imposed on them. And the testimony before the January 6th committee was just so compelling and emotional you know, as a, as a viewer yeah. to see what happened to these ordinary people, just like any person who, you know, might volunteer to help, you know, with voter registration, like it's so chilling and that's what they want it to be. In essence, they want it to, they want to chill uh, people, uh, election officials, whether it's, you know, the secretary of state 
or the county officials or, you know, volunteers, this, um, this MAGA machine is, um, is utterly incompatible with a healthy democracy. And this episode is just one of the most telling and heart-wrenching episodes involving how that machine, you know, tried to destroy two ordinary people in order to advance an absolute lie, right? an absolute lie. And the fact that this guy keeps doubling down, even though he admitted it, he admitted in another court proceeding, I guess in a, in a related case, but not this case, or can you do that? I guess you can. But in one in one courtroom, say, yeah, well, I I embellished. I made shit up. But this doesn't apply to that case. Really? I mean, you know, it, it all, you know, and in reality, it all applies. And the jury certainly see, saw how much it applies, that this cannot this behavior cannot be tolerated, that it must be punished. Um and so I hope they collect. I don't know how much they will collect, but I, I know that he has accumulated some assets um, during the course of his career, even if he hasn't been fully paid by Trump. Um, and he sought to you know, really enrich himself um, through these various um, endeavors and this notoriety. Um, you know, I'm not at the point where I feel sorry for Rudy no, Giuliani for having no. squandered his uh, his his career, his reputation. I I, I think that he is a, a a character, an evil character. If this were a Shakespearean tragedy, um, which it in some ways is, yeah. he's one of the villains. There's no doubt about it, and he has not sought any redemption uh, for it. And so, um, you know, I hope that he's held to account. Um, I hope that I hope that they get um, you know the money that they that they've been awarded out of him, or at least some of it. Um, none of it will ever, as she said, ever compensate for the damage that has been done to them and to their families, to their community, to their sense of community, to just the right to live where they want to live with right. their neighbors. That they you know like it's it's just astonishing how much wreckage uh, Donald Trump and his his the hounds of his deceit have um, forced on, on people, you know, on people, innocent people. But that's, that's the story of this maggot movement. I mean, it's the only thing I can think of. I, I looked to the families of Sandy Hook. It was just the 11th anniversary of that uh, horrific day. And we look at Alex Jones, who slandered these families who who made their lives were already hell their children were murdered in the unthinkable and this idiot goes on and says it's a false flag it didn't really happen he slanders them every possible way and they prevail in court and they're awarded a lot of money as they should and alex jones has the money but he is hiding it and he still hasn't paid apparently according to what i've read He's spending like he's got no problem with the money, um, but he hasn't paid them again. Is there I'm, I know we don't have debtors prisons or I guess we do for poor people, just not for rich people. Um, there, is there any way to compel the loser of a lawsuit like this to pay? Well, the, the Sandy Hook lawyers are, I think, working hard to try to, 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 to vindicate that judgment, that rightful judgment against Alec Jones for his truly disgusting, yeah. like disgusting isn't even like no. the word that obscene. could like, it just it doesn't obscene. even come close to covering. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's ghoulish. It's a, it's, it's, he's a fiend. It's like the idea that someone would use his platform to attack the 
parents of murdered children and lie about it and basically unleash his unhinged followers or some subset of them to harass these people who have faced the greatest loss a, a, a person, a parent can face to have their child um, die before them. Yeah. Um, young, you know, children, these, these elementary school kids, and then to have that be part of the context of this right-wing machine that refuses to do anything about the crisis in gun violence in America and the at ready access to um, weapons that are designed not to like hunt a deer, not right. to, no. uh, not for target shooting, but to murder as many people as quickly as possible, and to have the moral failure of these Republicans uh, in Congress to have stopped common sense, you know, gun legislation that most Americans from both parties, the majority of Americans want to have happen. It's just repulsive. And then to have someone as repulsive as Alex Jones use his platform to harm these parents um, and to lie about them and to smear them in their, you know, in their ongoing grief of this tragedy. It's just, it's just morally bankrupt. Um, But like you say, um, he's, he's been hiding his assets and he created this, you know, really, elaborate scheme to like basically hawk, you know, um, fitness pills or whatever on his website while, you know, then that was separate from the radio show that was separate from the X or the Y and have all these transfers. But I'm hopeful that in the, um, in the long run or maybe medium term that, uh, court of law will uh, untangle that mess and insist that some of those assets go to um, go to pay the families that have been harmed again so. by the lies of this man. I hope so. Uh, Lisa Graves is with us. And as I was saying at the beginning, since we, uh, you know, you agreed to come on the show today, more has happened. And then today it's like a, it's like an embarrassment of riches. First of all, um, and since I even emailed you this morning and said, hey, these are the kind of things I want to talk about, other stuff has happened. One, real quickly, Mark Meadows lost his appeal to get his case separated from the Georgia case and moved to federal court. Uh, the, the court saying that, um, you know, his actions had nothing to do with his duties as the White House chief of staff, basically. Uh, not related, not part of the job. Trying to overturn an election and covering for the criminal uh, president it doesn't fit. So sorry, you stay in Georgia with the Fannie Willis other defendants. Is that what happened? Yeah, there? I mean that's that's a vic- that's a righteous victory because yes, it's absurd. It was actually absurd in my view uh, for them to claim that this was all part of his official duties. Uh, he had no official duty to do that. In fact, I would say that if he had any duty under the oath he swore to uphold the Constitution against enemies, foreign Hello. and domestic, that was his duty. If he if he had done actions to try to protect the Constitution from this criminal scheme being orchestrated by his boss, maybe he could have managed to separate the case. Um, but maybe. what he was doing was the opposite. It was basically uh, engaging in this scheme that was, you know, patently based on false uh, and discredited uh, information and that was just pursued by Trump, who, in Bannon's words earlier, had basically just decided he was going to declare victory no matter what the facts were, no matter how the American people voted, and just, like, basically act as if, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law, so get you can't get him out of the White House. Um, but the scheme was obviously much more detailed than that in terms of their effort to stand up a totally fraudulent um, slate of people willing to pretend that they were the actual electors in the states in order to thwart the counting of our 
um, electoral college votes for the White House. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that that his effort to separate his case was blocked by the court. That was a correct uh, a correct uh, and, you know, accurate decision. And I'm glad he's stuck. He's stuck with his fellow defendants right where he should be. Absolutely. So that that happened. So that was good. And I'm hoping that that pretends uh, in a good way for um, what Jack Smith is trying to do, because I want, want, did want to ask you, there's another, there's another big ProPublica story about Clarence Thomas this morning that we will get to. But, but before we leave the Trump, you know, uh, prosecution world, um, Jack Smith made a very calculated move this week. And knowing that Donald Trump is trying to delay as much as he can, all these proceedings against him by, you know, appeals. And it's his legal right. That's the process. But it is time consuming. Jack Smith said, I'm leapfrogging the appeals court, the district court of D.C. and going straight to the Supreme Court and asking them to determine whether or not, you know, Trump's claims of presidential immunity um, it mean that a president can do, you know, as Nixon said, if the president does it, it means it's not illegal. That's basically what Trump is alleging here, saying that he has absolute immunity from any prosecution for all the, the illegal and heinous shit he did, um, that that he can do that because he was president. That's that's kind of what he's saying. Right. Or am I oversimplifying it? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a, that's a good paraphrase of what he's saying. You know, this procedure to take the case, a case, an issue like this to the court has happened, you know, not frequently in the U.S. court system. I think David Ladd has a piece on how many times it's happened. It's typically happened in cases of an assertion of privilege here. Um, as your listeners know, um, the acts that are in issue happened some of them happened while Trump was in the White House, um, and some of them happened after he left the White House. Um, and in, like the documents cases, you know, activity that he did and 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 in stealing those files, taking those files, misusing those files, emptying the files, waving the like those are things that happened after he left. And um, this, I, there's this, it's just completely contrary to being a nation based on the rule of law for a president to be above the law. And for President Miller to assert that he can break the law that Congress passes um, or the Constitution, for that matter, just at his whim. That's mm-hmm. the definition of tyranny. And um, and for someone post office, I think I might have frozen there. You did. Um, for some for, reason, I'm trying yeah. to fix it here. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for someone. Uh, there, there's uh, apparently solar flares happening. And I'm oh. thinking, uh, according to the um, the website, according to the um uh, chat room. Uh, there's, there's weird stuff going on with the audio too, but yeah, your video froze. Um, hopefully oh, yeah. it'll come well, so I'll, I guess I'll just proceed as is, but, um, uh, but, um, you know, for, for, you know, someone to assert that just because they were president, they're basically immune from any future criminal, you know, for any future criminal activity forever and ever. I mean, that's also just absurd. We're not, this is not some sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, teeny tiny royalty in some small country where, you know, the, someone who's king or prince basically gets away with everything. Oh, that's Until you unfreeze. That's <laughs> There's Lisa um, in the Santa but hat. anyway, yeah. Uh, 
That's funny. But anyway, you know, I mean, it's it's everything like basically everything he says is contrary to law, uh, contrary to our traditions, contrary to our democracy. Um, and and, you know, quite frankly, really despicable. This these Hitlerian notes that he's he's making in these speeches. It's it's completely disturbing. Uh, I, I it's I think it's fundamentally disqualifying. Um, and, um, you know, I, I but I you know, I'm worried about the Supreme Court in terms of how it's been packed by Trump. I'm hoping that these judges will rule consistent with past precedent, longstanding U.S. law in saying that presidential immunity doesn't reach this sort of conduct. Um, but we'll have to see whether this court is going to ha- act with integrity or not. Right. And so, I mean, it could it could go either way. And that's the thing. We don't know. But if you go by precedent or by their form, but their previous rulings, apparently um, Kavanaugh, who likes beer, also does not like uh, the idea of presidential immunity. He's he's gone. He's he's written about Nixon before. Um, seems to be if if he holds true to how he's uh, opined before that he should come out on the on the right side of this or the correct side of this. Should I'm not uh, sure. I'm not sure. I I have a theory that part of the reason why he was um, chosen uh, by Trump was because. Um, he had, even though when he was in the um, office of the independent counsel in the OIC for Ken Starr, had defended, um, had had, a, had assailed um, some of the initial assertions of privilege that were, um, you know, made by Clinton in the Monica Lewinsky situation uh, and the and the uh, you know situation in Arkansas, um, that he had defended or he basically had assailed the idea of, pres- of presidential immunity then, but subsequently. Um, he expressed some different views about immunity, and that makes me concerned about whether he would uh, be too um, friendly toward uh, Trump's assertions of immunity, not based on his, you know, activity when he was working for Star, which is a whole other topic conversation right. uh, for another day. Um, but you know, his subsequent writing, which I think is really problematic, um, trying to basically renege on his. Um, on his prior position of opposing immunity. Uh, so we, we wait and see. Um, do, yeah. But uh, do you think that it was a good calculated risk that Jack Smith took? Because knowing that if, the, if they let the appeals play out, this is not going to come to trial before the election. Right. Yeah, I think I think it was the right decision because because they really need to clear the field and make it make it clear what the parameters are, because he's assert, asserting it all over the place and he's just trying to drag it out and then you know, with his objective of trying to get back in the White House so he can so he can wipe away, you know, any any obstacle. And, you know, that his threats of what he's going to do on day one, be a dictator like, you know, I, I just I have to say out loud because it's just so utterly horrifying, horrifying and contemptible that, you know, he has, you know, even called for the the murder, the summer execution of of, of General Milley yes. for daring to stand up for the, you know, for the rule of law and the Constitution. And so he's a fundamentally unhinged and dangerous person. Uh, his, his his claimed objectives are uh, deeply inconsistent and and hostile to our um, our system of government. Um, and in order to get justice and, you know, perhaps get some verdicts, some rightful verdicts. Um, uh, you know, we have to have a chance to have those cases proceed. And so I think Jack Smith, you know, did the right thing in trying to get clarity because if this court behaves the way a normal court would behave, 
it would it would it would kick back these completely false and ridiculous uh, and and outlandish assertions of, of immunity by Trump. Right. And, and it should. So I guess we, we just have to wait and and hope that justice prevails. Right. That that the correct side yeah. uh, prevails. So Lisa Graves. All right. Uh, now I want to talk about this ProPublica story because we've got to go back a little bit. I think when I first met you. You were um, uh, you were running an organization called uh, the Center for Media and Democracy, and you it was through you that I learned about ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Committee, um, the the public private partnerships where these corporations basically would write law and give them to their local state reps who would then take it to the legislature and introduce it as if they had written it, and it was problematic. It was from you um, and your Coke. Uh, exposed series. We learned about the Koch brothers and and all their stuff. Through you, we learned about Leonard Leo and all these dark money problems. And um, this is the work that you've been doing for years and years and years. And now, you know, we're, we're seeing it sort of embodied in Clarence Thomas and this whole ethics explosion at the court. ProPublica now has a a story today. Um, and the headline is a quote, delicate matter. Clarence Thomas's private complaints about money sparked fears he would resign. And he got um, uh, members of Congress to introduce legislation to get the Supreme Court justices a raise in pay because poor Clarence didn't feel he was making enough money. And uh, so what what did we learn new from today? Anything? Anything that you learned new? Or you already knew this stuff? This, <laughs> this story is such an important story that ProPublica broke. Um, they uncovered that letter from Ralph Meekham, who I used to work for, uh, for a brief period. Um, he was the head of the administrative of the U.S. courts, and he was writing to Chief Justice uh, William Rehnquist, Bill Rehnquist, um, at the time in 2000, to convey that Ralph Meekham had been told by a congressman that there was a real risk that Clarence Thomas and perhaps you know another justice would step down because they 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 wanted to make more money, um, and that threat was made in essence um, during the Clinton administration. So as Clinton was the president and would have been the person to replace Thomas had oh, he stepped down. Uh-huh. Um, and Gore was was running and winning and ultimately did win that presidential election, but for that Supreme Court. Hello. Um, so um, the story has many uh, really important things. So it pr- basically provides the motive. It, it reveals how much, how this gravy train, this scheme that has propped up Thomas and, and given him all these gifts and gifts of travel and luxury, super yachts and private jets and private resorts and private gifts and all this sort of thing, um, you know, is is basically key, enveloping him to keep him on the court, in essence, to keep a sure vote for this far right agenda that Leonard Leo has been pushing in place. And so rather than lose this this vote to some other um, potential justice who might be fair, uh, who might not be aligned with Leonard Leo's extremist agenda, um, this whole scheme seems to have been uh, created to basically give give him the life of luxury of being a big firm law firm partner 
um, while sitting on the Supreme Court and casting votes, um, restricting, trying to restrict our rights. And Leonard Leo not only has been um, described in some of these stories as helping to arrange some of this fabulous luxury travel for um, Leo acting like a travel agent for him in essence, but also a matchmaker, um, it seems, with some of these billionaires. And then beyond that, um, uh, Washington Post uh, reported that Leonard Leo had secretly arranged for pay for Jenny from a secret source. Um, and then Politico followed up on that story and found that they refused to comment about whether that pay arrangement, that secret pay arrangement ever ended. And so there's no doubt that there's this like very close network designed to basically keep Thomas on the court um, by helping him, helping him use his public office for private gain to live to live a life of luxury while he while he works to decimate our rights. And the other part of that story that was, I think, just devastating is that they report that as of the late 1990s, even though Thomas had been a D.C. Circuit judge, even though he'd been a Supreme Court justice and making a salary, you know, that was, you know, three, four, five times what the average American makes uh, a year at that time. Um, that he was deeply in debt um, and wanting to get speaker fees, wanting to collect right. these speaker yep. fees. And it was in that same time frame as that letter was written that he accepted the gift of the nearly $300,000 super luxury RV. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the loan that he never actually fully paid off. Um, he subsequently, you know, got... Um, a book deal to like bring in another 300 plus thousand dollars a year for three years in a row. Um, that money like went to ashes, basically it didn't really show up as real assets in his financial filings. There was a report in the New York times earlier this year that he has repeatedly um, refinanced his home without any evidence that he um, reinvested that money in actual home improvements, up, but for a teeny tiny amount. Wow. So what does he need so much money for? Where is all this cash going? Uh, so he can that, park like, in a Walmart parking well. lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and that story, the, the idea that, you know, a billionaire is underwriting this, this biopic where this vanity biopic where he claims that he loves the Walmart parking lot more right. than vacationing at the beach underwritten by the guys who are actually funding his fab trips to exclusive golf courses and other exclusive resorts. It's just extraordinary hubris and arrogance, but beyond that arrogance and that greed um, that he and his wife have, you know, basically put on display um, uh, to their friends through these, you know, the types of photos that they shared that the New York times covered. The fact is, is that he has been a singularly destructive force for our rights um, as a Supreme Court justice, he yes. should have he should have done the right thing back then, stepped down, cashed out. Instead, he stayed there and cashed out. It's it's astounding. And what's even more astounding is that Ginny Thomas is just skating where she has stuck her nose into places where it doesn't belong, all because she is married to a Supreme Court justice. Is there no um law against what she's doing i guess I, if the, i would i would guess there isn't or she would have already been arrested or prosecuted right well there i mean there are laws that thomas seems to have broken repeatedly in terms in terms of the uh, ethics and government act and the gift rules and possibly some tax rules i you know i i, I understand that there are a lot of um ways that people are looking at these matters 
But it's also the case that we do need to seriously update the rules for requiring the disclosure of the spouse's income, the sources of income, and who are the real clients of those spouses. Because Jane Mayer uncovered that one of the groups that was paying her had business before the court. The very group um, that the Washington Post uncovered was paying her uh, secretly, you know, uh, at least $100,000 and probably more over the years since they refused to say it ever stopped. That group has submitted dozens of briefs to the U.S. Supreme court on issues affecting our rights, um, including, you know, our reproductive rights, our, our, our right to equality and more. And so um, this this is the biggest scandal to ever hit the U.S. Supreme Court. It's a huge crisis. And, um, you know, I hope that we can build the numbers to have real reform uh, within the next couple of years, because this court is out of control, out of step. And uh, Clarence Thomas has, um, you know, really trashed the reputation of the court. But also, let me just say, Nicole, it's not just Thomas because the other report that came out last week from ProPublica was about how the judicial conference, the the body that the chief justice, Chief Justice Roberts Helms, has not actively pursued investigations, has swept things under the rug, has tried to protect the justices and never, never investigated the multiple violations of the federal government Government ethics act that uh, reporters have have detailed about Thomas, never referred a single case of the Justice Department for prosecution, even though those forms, the forms on the financial disclosure by Thomas and every other justice and every other judge and every other elected official in the country at the federal level is signed under potential penalty of potential civil or criminal penalty. So these are serious matters of having someone who is interpreting our constitution, but fails to interpret one of the most basic forms of disclosure, one of the easiest forms of filing disclosure, like basically ever. And yet he's entrusted to interpret our constitution and he's not interpreting that accurately either. He's interpreting it to advance his own personal agenda and to advance the agenda of the billionaire and billionaire network of Leonard Leo, uh, what they want in terms of repealing our rights and rolling back our rights. Now, the the Senate Judiciary Committee in this whole, um, I guess, their their hope to get some kind of ethics rules in place at the Supreme Court has subpoenaed both Leonard Leo and Harlan Crow. to testify, but and and in typical Republican fashion, they're threatening to not to comply. And I don't know what the legal or legality of that is. If they can just simply say, "No, I'm not complying with your subpoenas," it seems if a, you know Democrats don't comply with the subpoena, the Republicans want to hold them in contempt. But if a Republican does, well, then that's that's perfectly fine with well, them. I- <laughs> I've got, and I'll have to leave on that note, but just oh, to say, um, I'm really, I'm really happy that the Judiciary Committee took that vote to authorize those subpoenas. There's more that needs to be done to enforce those subpoenas. There's more that needs to be done in terms of, um, you know, further investigation. But also, if Thomas had any integrity, he would resign. And quite frankly, uh, John Roberts had uh, has really, really failed the American people by failing to actually support real ethics for the court. Instead, has tolerated and and allowed this culture of corruption to take hold. Um, And, you know, he, despite occasional nods to like slow things down a little, in reality, he's on board for this exact same agenda, even if he's not on board the trips. Wow. Lisa Graves, I know you need to jump off because you got to be on a call in a couple of minutes. Thank you so much. Next time we will make sure your video is not frozen 
and we can take off the Santa hat. Thank you as always. Lisa Thanks. Graves, do check out truenorthresearch.org. David, stay there because uh, David had a question for you. We'll have to save it for next time. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Lisa Graves, she had to run. Um, David, what, what did you wanted to ask her something? What did you want to ask her? Hold on. She, she had to run. I totally forgot. She's like needed to leave. Whoops. And that mic is not working for some reason. Something funky is going on here today. Come talk in this one. I don't know why that one's not working. It is plugged in. Weird, weird. What I wanted to ask her was if Merrick Garland had yanked his fucking head out of his ass a year sooner, if we wouldn't be done with most yeah. of this bullshit by now, if he would have point, appointed Jack Smith much sooner, we would be over all of this nonsense. Well, I don't know that this would, the, the Clarence Jenny Thomas thing, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, I wonder where, where Merrick Garland is on the, the whole Clarence Thomas, missing in action, I guess. Well, so no, li- I wasn't referring to Clarence Thomas. I was referring uh, to the to the, yeah. the Lard Father, gotcha. and and all of his bullshit. And you know, I thought Eric Holder sucked as AG. Eric Holder yeah. makes Merrick Garland look. Merrick Garland makes Eric Holder look like fucking Clarence Darrow. Yeah, I guess. Um, Twisted nerves um, in the chat room says always wonderful to hear from Lisa Gray. Straight to the point. Explains everything so well. She's awesome. Um, and yeah, so I, am honored that, that Lisa, you know, lends her knowledge and talents to us so regularly. Okay. So, um, now that, well, I I knew we had a limited time with Lisa, so I didn't want to play all this and take up time with her. Um, but let me share with you a little bit more of, of Rudy on Friday. This is Rudy Giuliani. Um, in front of the the courthouse, um, and it and it explains why uh, <laughs> Ruby and Shay filed another defamation suit today. Obviously, possibly we'll move for a new trial. What? Certainly, we'll appeal. The absurdity of the number merely underscores the absurdity of the entire proceeding, where I've not been allowed to offer one single. Piece of evidence in defense. You're right. You know why? You, you have so none. I am. Quite and the confident. reason is because the judge offered a, already ruled in the case a summary judgment because you, Giuliani, are a piece of shit. You are a piece of human excrement. And that's why, because this basically was not to determine culpability, this was to determine damages because. You were already judged guilty. But but here's where he continues. When this case gets before a fair tribunal, Oy. it'll be reversed so quickly. No, it will not your be. Spin. Your head spin. And What's the absurd Donald number Trump that line? just came in will help that, actually. Why did what? you choose not All to right, testify today? fair? We got these things unfair tribunal. Why do you think it was unfair? Because, go and first of all, I cannot go into the- what's with the guy's hair behind him. You see the guy with the like the pompadour in front and the crew cut in the back. Is he trying for a new um, uh, trend? It's it's not going to work. The details. Uh, I didn't testify because the judge made it clear that if I made any mistake or did anything wrong, she was considering contempt. Well, and this for judge good reason. Does have a reputation for putting people in jail. Oh, yeah. And I thought, honestly, 
it wouldn't do any good. Do you still believe that what you said about these two women and the way that the Here we go. Was truthful? Do you still believe these claims? I have, I, have, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that my comments were made and they were supportable and are supportable today. <laughs> I just did not have an opportunity to present Bullshit. the evidence that we offered. Did you notice we were not allowed to put in one piece of evidence in defense? Do you also realize you are that my ability is not based guilty. on any trial? My ability is based on her disagreement with me on discovery, which so is, a, which is absurd. Because I believe the judge was threatening me <laughs> with the strong possibility that I'd be held in contempt. For good or reason. Or that I'd even be put in jail. For so good it, reason. It didn't, seem, it didn't seem like oh my God. it was going to do much to persuade anybody. And it could uh, give her what she what? seemed to be threatening. Did you believe Oh, my God. Um, And now you know why uh, they filed another defamation lawsuit. This man, um, I I guess, should should be live out the rest of his days in in the um, the the help quarters at Mar-a-Lago because, um, you know, it's the least Donald can do for him. The, The man is just an embarrassment. A complete and utter embarrassment. Okay. Um, With that, we're basically at the end of today. And that's a good thing. Um, Tomorrow, let me tell you, I've got a little homework assignment for you. Go to salon.com and read Brian Karam's column from last week. He talks about a dream. He writes about a dream that he had of the presidential speech he wants to hear delivered. It was perfect. It was spot on. So Brian Karam's going to be on the show tomorrow and we'll talk about it. So go read it tonight, okay? All right. Um, and God, live your life. You know, Jim Ladd, rest in peace. Death, it happens. It's going to keep happening. There's nothing we can do about it. Damn. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace out, everyone.